0: And Welcome to Philosophy Get Schooled. I'm Simon Kirchin. I'm a philosopher based at the University of Kent uh, and I'm also director of the British Philosophical Association. This is a short episode about natural law and situation ethics. Elsewhere uh, on our list of podcast episodes we have a long discussion uh, about natural law and situation ethics between me and two teachers Michael Platt and Toby Banas. Um, This is just a short episode just to give you a flavour of what's going on in that longer episode and to give you a few reflections from me uh, about the topics. Um, Natural law and situation ethics um, are quite different, um, although we put them together because we thought there were some interesting connections between them and also both uh, topics uh, appear on um, two specifications, uh, OCR and Edexcel religious studies specifications. Okay, so let's think first of all about natural law, give a lot more detail in the discussion. Here's a brief summary. So the first thing to start with is Aristotle. Aristotle, one of the most famous of the ancient Greek philosophers, um, and there's a load of stuff going on in his philosophy, well worth uh, looking up and reading and finding out about. The key thing in Aristotle's worldview that's important to realize about natural law theory um, is the idea of teleology or telos. So telos is ancient Greek um, and often it's translated as end or goal or something like that. So the idea is that um, everything um, has a certain sort of end or goal, a purpose to it. Um, and that might be um, animals, uh, particularly people. Um, Aristotle was, uh, as a philosopher, was interested in all sorts of things about uh, our lives. Uh, For example, biology made enormous contributions to founding various different ways of looking at the world and what we think of today as different academic subjects. Um, So the idea of end or telos or goal Um, is the idea that everything is striving towards uh, an end point or there's a certain sort of standard or norm that things should be meeting and there's a certain purpose. And so if things are going bad, then things are moving away from that purpose, not fulfilling it. Um, If things are going well, then they are meeting that that purpose. So humans have a a certain sort of purpose uh, and Aristotle uh, thinks that our uh, human's uh, purpose, the highest purpose, the highest virtue is what's called eudaimonia, which is a kind of a kind of not not used to be in, in olden times kind of translated as happiness, but it's not really happiness. It's kind of well-being or um uh, or something like that, right? Living your life to the fullest. And I said I just use the word virtue there. So virtue here might immediately conjure up moral virtues, so being good and being brave, and and so on. And in fact, some of the things we think of as moral virtues are included in Aristotle's list of the virtues. But here you should think more about uh, virtue as a sort of excellent character trait. So as well as bravery, which are, and courage, which Aristotle does discuss. One might also uh, include wittiness, good social manners and so on okay so Aristotle is not a natural law theorist um, but someone who is uh, is St Thomas Aquinas one of the great medieval philosophers Thomas Aquinas obviously from the Catholic Church which was the church right at the time um, and he uh, was very much inspired by Aristotle's writings thought a lot about teleology and came up with the idea of what's become natural law we talk a lot more in detail about uh, the particular ideas involved in natural law that Aquinas um, developed Um, so we think about primary and secondary precepts um, and how they relate to one another and what he's getting from Aristotle so here's the brief idea Everything has a purpose, there's there's eternal law and divine law, there's also natural law, the law for us, human beings, as uh, revealed by God. Uh, And there are various primary precepts, so things that are kind of absolutely basic, that are the good um, uh, principles or ideas around which uh, lives should revolve, um, such as um, uh, procreation. Um, And then there are secondary precepts uh, as well, so things that are more detailed. In all of this, Aquinas is trying to shape our lives and shape rules and laws um, around which how life should be uh, lived uh, towards a certain sort of goal, a certain common goal um, that, of course, uh, unlike in Aristotle's day for Thomas Aquinas, Um, shaped around a religious ideal and a Christian ideal. It's worth listening to our podcast in detail to find out more uh, ideas about the primary and secondary precepts. So I'm going to go on now, trying to keep this short, to then think about situation ethics. Then we're going to come back to natural law and compare them. So situation ethics is a different sort of ethic, it seems, um, developed by a Harvard professor called Joe Fletcher uh, in the 1960s. Josie Fletcher was um uh, kind of interested in how a lot of morality and moral theory seem to be um uh, based on the idea of absolute rules and laws and in fact some people interpret uh natural law theory in this way we have a bit of a discussion about that in the in the in the uh Longer discussion with the teacher, so listen out for that. Um, but Fletcher certainly puts his um, puts his face against that. Hence the title of situation ethics. He thinks there are some general um, ideas that can guide us, uh, but really we should be looking at what's going on in the situation, the merits of the different features that are there. Um, and one of the most important things, in fact, probably the most important thing for Fletcher, is the idea of to be guided by love. And love here um, has a particular sort of meaning. There's all different sorts of love. There might be romantic love. Uh, there might be love for siblings. Uh, there might be love for friendships, what's often uh, called um, platonic love. Um, but the love that Fletcher is interested in is what's called agapeic love or agape. And that's a special sort of love, a kind of you know general love for one's fellow human beings. Um, which is the sort of love um, shown by Christ. Uh, There's lots more to say about agapeic love and in fact Fletcher himself says lots more about it. Um, And there's a kind of parody of of situation ethics, which is, you know, what should I do in this situation? Well, what you should do is do the loving thing, do the agapeic loving thing. It's a kind of, that the parody is kind of what would Jesus do in this situation? Um, But Fletcher then has some more, um, slightly more specific ideas of things to remember when you are considering a situation. Um, and again, we talk about those in the in the longer discussion. And what he's trying to do is to get you to think that sometimes um, you can make uh, different decisions in what seem to be similar or indeed the same situation uh, because there are some differences. You need to approach it and focus on the people involved in the situation, their feelings, how you're treating them and so on, all the time being guided by this agape uh, love, this conception of what we should do for other people. Um, as I say, said a few times, there's more details in that longer discussion. What I want to draw attention to is something that we then discussed uh, towards the end uh, of uh, the, that episode, and that's to compare pair the two and to compare them against other ways, uh, perhaps other moral theories, but certainly other ways of interpreting moral theories. Um, which appears in both the OCR and the EDXL specifications for religious studies but even if you're not doing OCR or Edexcel it's worth um, uh, thinking about um, natural law and situation ethics in relation to other moral theories such as utilitarianism, Kantian deontology and so on Um, because there's a question which is when we come up with a moral theory what are we trying to do Uh, in particular what are the ambitions of a moral theory that we've created is it trying to give us A rule or a law or a principle that is to be interpreted absolutely. So in all circumstances, what we should be doing is maximizing good consequences. For example, if you're a utilitarian. Or in all circumstances, what we should be doing is, you know, these particular specific principles that are derived in some way from Kant's categorical imperative. And the absolutism is there is no matter what the situation, we should do this. Perhaps not, no matter in what situation, we should not lie. And that's certainly in one sense helpful. Some people find it comforting where well, we know that we've got particular rules and principles, be they quite generally worded or quite specifically worded, that we just do not break. Think of uh, the Ten Commandments, right? You can interpret these absolutely, as indeed some people have through history, Uh, and some people do today some countries do and there are severe punishments if you break any of them what's going on particularly in situation ethics and indeed lots of other um, philosophical views is uh, the idea that absolutism itself is is morally wrong um, because situations are different people are different in those situations Um, there are particular differences um, that mean that um, sometimes some ideas, some rules might apply and sometimes they don't, or sometimes rules apply, but they're not as important as other rules which are in tension with them and which uh, outweigh them. Um, so in fact, something that's not on the uh, any of the a specifications, I think, are some other views about what's going on in moral philosophy that have been developed during the 20th century. So not... Fletcher's situation ethics but other views that have um, kind of a flavor of what he was getting at so I'm thinking here of uh, a system of prima facie or pro tanto duties developed by W.D. Ross who's a British philosopher Um, and also more recently if you get into this and want to study philosophy at university then there's a philosopher called Jonathan Dancy uh, and a few other people who've developed the idea of particularism um, which gets uh, into the real details of what's going on with different features and how they might generate reasons to act or not to act in particular ways and how they interact. And a lot of this is, is aimed at thinking, well, perhaps absolutism is, is not correct. Things can still be real. Morality can still be rational. But the way in which it's rational, the way in which it should guide us, and we, in which we should follow it, and the way in which it justifies what we're doing is not to be absolutists about rules. So whenever there is a possibility of a lie, we should not do it, but rather we can be a bit more flexible. Indeed, going back to natural law theory, um, we have that discussion with natural law theory as well in the longer episode. Um, so some people interpret Aquinas Uh, as an absolutist and indeed you know throughout history of of the catholic church subsequently some people interpret natural law in this way Uh, it's not obvious that one one should and in fact there might be some um, some interesting room between primary and secondary precepts and interesting room for judgment right human judgment and so whether you're guided by um Uh, The idea of utilitarianism, that we should maximise consequences, or you're a Kantian, or whether you like natural law, theory, and particularly if you like situation ethics, it might be that judgment, human judgment is the the best moral guide, with some general propositions to remind us about the things we should be looking at and guiding us in general, but we shouldn't be absolutists. And that's, I suppose, a really interesting topic that's raised in the longer episode of Natural Law and Situation Ethics, and indeed is raised for all of us when we're thinking about whatever moral theory we're thinking about. Should moral theories be hard and iron and absolute, or is there room for flexibility? There might be dangers with flexibility, of course, but it also might be helpful. Okay, so those are enough reflections from me. I hope you enjoyed this little uh, chat. Um, I hope you enjoy the episode uh, that's uh, where we talk in detail about natural law and situation ethics. And if you enjoyed those, hope you listen to a few more episodes of Philosophy Gets Schooled.